Adrian, how was your first um, shift in a month and a bit? Oh, it's fine. You know, it's just a uh, curbside pickup. So I just nice. wait for people on the phones to give me an order number and then I go find it and then I bring it to someone at the door. Where was this? Indigo? Nice. Indigo, yeah. Damn, it's been two months. Uh, I don't think it's been two months. It's been, it, but it's been, I could actually probably tell you exactly. Cause you know, that makes for good content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's been a month and three days. Okay. So just over since your last shift. Wow. Yeah. Since my last shift. That sucks. Are a lot of people ordering books these days? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. Like from us at least, but we sell books. So that's kind of like a, you know, you, you do. Yeah, shit. I know it's it's not just pillows. I was about to say like Indigo, like stores like Indigo, and like I think of the same as like um, EB Games, where like books and video games are just like people say that they're dying. I don't actually know if they're dying or not, but just the digital option Mm -hmm. removes the likelihood that people are going to buy physical books, physical video games. So as the years have gone on, I've seen stores like this just move toward knickknacks. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I'm I'm at Indigo. I'm just like looking for a novel and, but like this one tidy bookshelf is surrounded by two tables of like piggy banks. (laughs) Yeah. There's like cups over there, board it's games a, there. Like, it's a cultural department store. Is that what they're the, is that what they're labeling themselves as now? Yeah, a cultural yeah. department store for the last couple of years. Indigo, we do it for the culture. Open wide for some soccer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Soccer Group Chat. Uh, just the three of us today, myself, Nick, Hope, and Adrian uh, are back with you for another week. Another crazy week uh, in the world of football. Seems like the Super League is a, a content goldmine. Um, constantly new, new developments. And uh, we're going to get into that. But today we're going to start this episode with a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, where we each have uh, a small topic that we talk about for a little bit of time and uh, just get out our thoughts on that. So Adrian, uh, the Newcastle fan, why don't we start with you? So according to Acorn, which uh, according to their, it's a, it's an organization in Britain that has different chapters all across the country. And it's like a social justice movement thing. It's for people with like lower income and And so they do things like they will protest like bad evictions for, I didn't get much sleep. They will protest like unjust evictions. For example, in Birmingham, there is a woman named Zara who is a single mom of two kids. And these two kids were hospitalized because they had uh, eczema, like infected eczema that was caused by mold and damp in their rented home. And she couldn't pay the rent. So I guess now that they're, they're doing some proceedings there and why I'm mentioning it is because her landlord is Steve Bruce, manager of Newcastle United, who is worth about 40 million pounds. And so like, I mean, his last, the last thing he could maybe hold on to besides, like he's not competent. No one wants him to manage their team. 
And then the last thing was like, oh, but you know, he seems like a nice guy. Maybe he's genuine. And now it's like, no, he's an awful person. He's like evicting a mother with two sick children. So damn, just good to know, basically. And uh, let's let's look up from there, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come in, uh, come in hot and depressed. Yeah. Jesus that, Christ! Uh, <laughs> like Steve, like that's probably that was the one thing. It's like uh, Steve Bruce, the shit manager, but you know, he seems like seems like a decent guy, just out of his depth, maybe. Yeah. But like, no, no, he's actually a scum landlord, <laughs> like. How much do you say he's worth? 40 million pounds? Yeah, according to the tweet. Like, my God. Like, I understand, you know, they're, they're landlords and business people who put in put in the absolute minimum to get whatever output they can, right? But uh, that, that, is, that is lower than the minimum. <laughs> yeah, that's like very poor conditions. And now yeah. I'm, I've made you sick. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, like I guess you you might say. But... Allegedly, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's machinations that we're not considering that yeah, haven't well, been spoken of. But... Well, I mean, like obviously, this like organization has a certain point of view, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. Yes, you know. So, and I'm inclined to believe them because, you know, there's a huge power imbalance between landlords and tenants. Obviously, it's something we see a lot as people who live in Toronto. So. Bad example of it, Steve Bruce. It doesn't excuse it, but I guess he's kind of turning everything he touches into shit. Hope, eh? What's your rapid fire? Yeah, well, thanks for that. <laughs> Super bright note. Uh, let's. I'm gonna turn it, turn it a little bit. I know we were talking about how the Super League is a constant goldmine, but we still have the Champions League that's occurring. However, you want to feel about the new format coming up, but. As a Chelsea fan myself, we all know, because it's the most important news in the footballing world, that Chelsea are currently leading 1-1 on aggregate uh, in the lead on goal difference going into their second match with Real Madrid tomorrow. And if they win, they could get to their second ever Champions League final. But almost more importantly, the Chelsea women's side are competing in their very first uh, Champions League final on May 16th against Barcelona in Sweden. Um, the Chelsea women's side is, and from a biased opinion, but I think, you know, arguable as well, uh, the Chelsea women's side are the premier women's side in English football. Uh, ever since they joined the first division, which was, I think, about five years ago, they have three titles out of those five years. Um, they they run the club brilliantly and and you know they're they're being rewarded. They've been in the semi-final of the Champions League twice. Uh and now this is their first trip to the final. Uh and you know, it's just fun for me, obviously, as a fan. Um, but you know, as as a fact in football, never before ha- I don't think ever before um the men's side and the women's side have reached the Champions League final in the same year, let alone win the Champions League final. Uh the women's and men's side in the same year, which is, you know, it's just written in the stars at this point. It's going to happen. Um, so uh, as, as I sit here, uh, very disappointed that Manchester City are beating PSG 2-0 and they're up 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, 
they can't compete for their unprecedented unprecedented quadruple anymore. Um, but if Chelsea win both Champions League uh, finals with the men's and the women's side, uh, I'm calling it the sex double. Chelsea men's and women's are winning the sex double, which are gonna which is gonna go really nicely in the trophy cabinet beside our eventual FA Cup uh, victory this season okay. against Leicester City. <laughs> The sex double. I love that. One former Chelsea manager who was never able to capture the sex double, uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, is my uh, af- uh, uh, rapid fire topic for this week. I uh, just want to send my congratulations to the special one for uh, accepting a position uh, as manager of AS Roma uh, starting next season. Um, sadly, Mourinho uh, can't probably no longer appear on our podcast because he's uh, affiliated with the club and he's no longer a free agent. Uh, but we wish him the best of luck after uh, an unceremonious uh, exit from Spurs. It's good to see him land on his feet. And I just think that the game is, is, is better with him in it. And, you know, now that he goes over to Serie A with Conte and uh, all those guys, all those big teams uh, it'll, it'll make that league even more interesting and entertaining Um to follow so sticking with the Mourinho train with the with the big club train um with the super league we're gonna hop back on the super league train and as you said off the top it's been a gold mine of, of content and there was another another instance another chapter written in this story this past weekend uh with the Liverpool Manchester United game uh being postponed after what looked like uh January 6th happening uh over in England um with fans gaining access to to the pitch and, uh, you know, starting a relatively peaceful demonstration. Uh, of course, there's always a few bad apples, a few hooligans who decide to go too far. But eventually the match ended up getting postponed and it was kind of a worldwide story. Uh, basically, the protest was, basically the fans got together in protest of the Glazers and uh, their ownership. Uh, over their decision to leave uh, the Super League. So I just want to talk to you guys. I'm assuming you guys saw that. And I thought it'd be good to just discuss, you know, what happened and kind of continue the discussion we've been having over the past two episodes where like, where does the game go from here? Um, Is this another installment in this or is this a one-off? What do you guys think? What do you guys think about the whole protest and and all the fallout from it? I was surprised first off because it was... uh... It was something. I mean, I don't follow Manchester United or Liverpool channels on social media or, or news, really. Um, so, you know, while I was expecting a protest of some kind, I didn't think it would get to the height that it really did. Um, mostly because, you know, at the you know at the climax of all this Super League stuff, a ton of a ton of supporters came out and like uh, protested against uh, their team's decisions at the stadiums, trying to stop games. Uh, because the same thing happened to Chelsea. Uh, supporters came out and they they stopped the buses right before their match uh, against Brighton. And it was actually Petr Cech who had to come out of the bus, say, you know, let the lads in. The lads, it's, it's not their they didn't they didn't choose these choices or, or whatever. Um, and 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 the match eventually went on. I think what's unique about the Manchester United Liverpool uh, match being postponed. Uh, is one it's it is you know the massive fixture of the year at least at least uh, how how they market it um but i think it just like it's representative of a problem that manchester united have had with their ownership for a lot a, a longer time 
Uh, you know, they've had they've had an issue with how the Glazers have been running the club for a number of years now since they took it over in what 2003 or something like that, 2005 maybe. Uh, so whether or not you know it's I mean, I think good on good on the fan, the supporters and the fans go out and, you know, stop it, cost their pocket something if you want, if you want actual significant change. Um, but, you know, like you said, uh, th- you know, there was there was, you know, unnecessary violent action on both sides, which is which is ridiculous and in, in, in protests anyways. Um, but no, I'm not saying I'm not saying but to excuse uh, that statement. But, you know, it was it was interesting to see it actual. You know the, the supporters actually came out and were able to, to, you know, stop the match. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think because like reflecting on this, I think the Super League has really galvanized a lot of energy, as Hope alluded to. That's already there. I think even with you know less significantly than the protests, but like even with us, like I think now we've kind of maybe touched on things in our like conversations before we made a podcast. And now we're like really focusing and, and starting to define those opinions a bit more, at least personally, I feel like, yeah, like I'm really sort of reconsidering what this is like my relationship to this, this sport and like what it means to be a, a fan of a team in the premier league. And in this like hyper capitalistic system anyway i would like to see more kind of like protests in this vein i think you know there's obviously a limit where you can take it too far but you have also have to acknowledge that protests are effective when they're disruptive that's the point and then so it's frustrating you know you'll see some pundits who are kind of like oh i just wish they weren't so disruptive and they're just I, I I don't know what they're thinking. I don't think they're thinking about it, basically. They have very underdeveloped opinions on it. Not like this podcast. <laughs> um, but well, I, I think the thing with England is, is there have been protests before. It's something that you see, you've seen at Newcastle, like the big Cockney mafia get out. You've had that a lot. When Hull's owners wanted to change the name, you saw protests there. And you also see it, or maybe you see it more in the Bundesliga, where not too long ago, they stopped the scheduling of Monday games. So it'd be nice to see this become more of a a culture and, and maybe start to affect a bit more change. Because I think something I've come down to is like, you know, if, if these owners can make these decisions, if as pundits like Graham Suna says, it's their club, they could do what they want with it, like that kind of thing then they are the club. Right. So, so I think it really is like, you've got to exert your influence in order to, that's more meaningful ownership than, than the monetary side from our perspective. Like, like you own a certain amount of shares in Manchester United, Nick, but I don't think you own as much as the people on that field (laughs) in a a more important way. (laughs) No, exactly. And I mean, and th- and that's the thing. It's like these guys, these owners come in and we talked about this, right? They come in from wherever. And I don't think they have a sense of, you know, the tribal nature of, of these clubs and like how much the clubs actually mean to these people. And I saw a report that the Glazers are kind of doubling down on their ownership and trying to turn Manchester United into a $10 billion a year business. And 
And, you know, I feel like we all kind of understand that, like, that's where the world is. That's where it's going, right? Like, everything is, everything you kind of do, you're trying to make money off right now in, in this in this day and age. It seems like there's there's no sort of sense of just, like, doing something just you know, for having it. And it makes sense that these people, right? Like these, these business owners, like the Glazers and the Cronkies, right? They don't, they don't care about the people. I was listening to another, another podcast and, and the person on it made a good point where it's like, they've been stepping on people their whole lives. Right. So what are, what are a bunch of football fans uh, to these billionaires, to these billionaire owners who just don't care about anybody anyways. Right. And that's what, and the, yeah, no, that's exactly why like um, Adrian echoed my thoughts. Exactly. It's, in, in the sense of them being owners, it is not wrong for them to want to squeeze every single dollar that they can. That, that is the nature of running something at this size. But, you know, if you want that wide, like that wide scale change, like as a supporters group, you have to be disruptive. I mean, so Chelsea today announced that on their on their board, they'll have two members that are. Um, that are representatives for the supporters group. They'll be elected, uh, and they'll be allowed. Um, they'll be allowed presence on each of the quarterly meetings uh, at Chelsea FC for this year. And if they go through, if they succeed through all four meetings, then they'll have. Uh, they'll be able to donate up to like whatever whatever thousands of pounds to charity for every meeting. Uh, and really, it's just it's an effort in transparency, and I think that's the issue at hand. Like, there's no transparency with these clubs. Where like this Super League, I mean, I know it's been coming, um, but how it how it was dumped into our laps was like out of nowhere on a Friday. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, by the way, these teams might be gone for good. Exactly. Uh, and I'm gonna say again, as a Chelsea fan, like not every, not every club like Manchester United is lucky in the fact that the fans own own a specific identity of that club. The Chelsea Pitch Owners Association owns the branding rights to the name Chelsea FC. The Chelsea Pitch Owners Association owns Stamford Bridge. That's why we have a billionaire owner, but the shittest big stadium in England <laughs> is because if he wants to improve that stadium, then he has to list his assets in England, and he just can't do that. Right. Um, so, you know, this, I think for Manchester United and Liverpool, you know, being the clubs involved in this, two of the biggest brands uh, in the world, um, it's, it, it'll come down to how the supporters represent themselves moving forward and uh, hopefully how Western media support, like, uh, promotes this moving forward because, you know, as we're probably going to get to later. Uh, there's some questionable representation of the situation here in the, here in the U S and Canada compared to in England. Exactly. And and you brought up Western media and and this story was so big that even, you know, non-sporting media entities picked it up and and saw what happened. And, and, you know, you have to applaud the fans, right? Because this is, this is what really drives change in things, right? Like, and I think that kind of as a society, as a group of like younger people um, we're kind of used to, you know, so many facets of our lives being run by billionaires who don't care about us, right? Who don't care about the people kind of said this earlier. And, and this is the kind of thing, like if this is the kind of thing that's going to lead to any sort of change, whether that be, um, you know, the, like when it, which it, the back, the backlash already led to the, the cancellation of the super league and a charter uh, a statute in the in the Premier League charter basically saying that this can never happen again. 
Um, and th- so that's the good stuff, right? Like that's what we want. And I think that that's, that's, so we have to basically applaud the supporters groups and the supporters of Manchester United for kind of getting out to do that. And also the supporters of Arsenal who, who protested, uh, you know, in a less, uh, maybe a less public, less world renowned way, but you know, it's basically, that's what we need, right. As, as young people, and we need to get out and we need to force change because if we don't do it, then it's not going to happen. I I'm kind of skeptical, a little cynical about it though. Cause you look at the Arsenal fans who are protesting Kroenke and then they're like, well, let's get the Spotify guy. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I don't think there's, I don't know how much appetite there is for some sort of real change. And I don't know, like, legally or financially what the way the change would be because because this is obviously like symptomatic of much much larger systems Um, exactly yeah so it's and and your point kind of if you guys are okay with like moving on to my question because adrian your point kind of leads into it well where you know basically if the glazers were to sell manchester united if arsenal were to uh, the crunkies were to sell arsenal then who's gonna buy it right it has to be a billionaire it has to be a tr- gazillionaire it has to be like a, a prince a saudi prince or whatever with a shady human rights record like there's only a certain number of people who are kind of capable of buying and owning the teams right why not three boys with a podcast <laughs> we we're gonna start small on it with our team on saint pierre and Miquelon, and then we'll turn that into eventually into a, a premier league club but my question, question for you guys, another question that I had was I was listening to, to I saw a video of John Champion and Taylor Twellman talking about um, the Super League and everything, the protests on ESPN. Uh, ESPN ended up cutting John Champion off, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and basically what, what the gist of it was is John Champion was trying to defend the supporters. Uh, and then Taylor Twellman kind of made a comment where, you know, those fans are only mad until the Glazers drop 160 million pounds on uh, Erling Haaland or Killian Mbappe and then everything is fine um, but I, I want to kind of pose a question of like if this kind of if these protests create a change where the game becomes less about money and less about signing the most expensive players and you know maybe winning more I call them organic trophies where you build a team um, you know with academy players and local products and and go that way uh do you guys think the fans would, would be happy? Like, in, in my opinion, that's more what sports and what football is about, right? It, like, I understand the excitement of, of spending the most money and bringing in a Bruno Fernandez or Kevin De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva. Um, but, you know, as a fan, I mean, like, it doesn't really matter how you win. Like, I know the game's about winning. In the end, it's about trophies. But if there was a better way to do it, uh, do you guys think the fans would be okay with that? Uh, Adrian, I know as a, as a Newcastle fan, might be difficult. Me as a Palace fan, might be difficult to even put myself in that mindset. But I was going to say, it feels pretty shady to talk about winning and then go to a Newcastle fan. <laughs> it feels feels mean. Uh, I think I think that's like very cynical and kind of insulting, but also not entirely untrue. What Twelman said about there are some fans who are you know, they're, they're going to be happy when it's 160 million. And I don't even know if I particularly would begrudge them for it because especially with Manchester United, I mean, it's a very, very big club, like people all around the world. And you know what, there's also people who would have liked the super league. I think it's a smaller percentage, but there are people who would have liked it. And there is not no reason why, like, I mean, if you do get all the biggest clubs, 
I don't think it's ridiculous to say there might have been an increased standard of play, but I do think it's just empty spectacle. I th and that's where it, it kind of gets me. So to, to sort of address your question, I remember I read this book years ago that's from like 1998. It's called Manchester United Ruined My Life. And it, it's really good. I don't know if you've like heard of it, but it's a memoir about this guy who's a Man City fan and he's grown up, he's like a historian and a writer and stuff, but he grew up a Man City fan and he wrote this being like, you know what? We'll never be as good as Manchester United, but we have like the soul. We don't just buy things. Yeah, yeah. So he's said some interesting things since then because <laughs> you know, he said he's not very happy about his club anymore. And he just sort of is like lost interest. He'll maybe go to a game or maybe watch a game. But he said things like, you know, the owners were not Manchester City. We just happened to be their club in England. And he said another thing that I thought was funny where he's like, it's like the, this is a quote, uh, it's like the Chrysler building. Getting a new center half is like refitting the air conditioning in the Chrysler building. And I feel like it's very true. It's just like a function in, in this like empire or whatever. I mean, that's not weird to say with Manchester City because they have this like worldwide connection of clubs and City just happens to be like the jewel in the crown. But basically I think, yeah, you do lose the most important aspects when you get to this level. And I don't even think you need to, be at the level of the top six to get there. I mean, Leicester City also, as an example, like, you know, that's a club that we would say has a lot of character in comparison, but even them, you know, they, the eighth richest they buy, club they in the players. league. Exactly. It's not like, and when they won the title, it's not like they didn't spend money. They spent a lot of money, amazing achievement, but they spent a lot of money. So yeah, I think, as we said before, like this is just an exaggeration of the problems. It's not really a change in any way. It's just sort of, I think, galvanizing people into really pointing at what's already there. I think if you want an organic trophy, uh, watch the under 18s. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and even, even those kids, in fairness, and this is coming from a Chelsea fan, um, those kids, in fairness, sometimes, I don't know what club would do this, but sometimes players are, are brought over against, against terms and then their teams get transfer bans because how they, <laughs> how they recruit is unethical. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't know how much more I can really add to that. And it's... It, it, it's it's the nature of what the Premier League is and and what the Premier, how the Premier League was founded. Why was the Premier League founded? Not to not to raise the game. Well, I mean, you know, sure to raise the game domestically. Um, but you know, who what league was getting television, getting television deals in the eighties? It was Italy. Like what league had the best players? Like it was Italy. So so by selling themselves, they were able to up the game in England by bringing everyone to them, not not by growing organically, but but by taking the competition away from theirs. Um, so like you know, would fans be upset if there was less money in the game? I mean, I don't know. Maybe ask someone who 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 supports Bronby or something like that. Who like like 
the EPL is the NFL. They were built to mimic the NFL. It's 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 no secret. I'm kind of with it with Adrian and that like I think fans are pretty fickle. I think fans are pretty fickle. Like if Manchester United fans are out protesting, but they buy Erling Holland for 180 million pounds, but they win a league with them. That'll quell, that'll quell tensions for quite a while. But but I think that's I think that's only some though. I think it's only some as well, but I think the combination of so like the fans that care and have take issue, it's it's actually much larger than I actually would have expected. Mm. Maybe because we're in this new social age where everyone can have a voice. Well, you know, we rate we rate activity by how many heart hearts are on a tweet, uh, kind of thing. But I think there's also like I would not be surprised, and I'm I'm cynical in that sense, is the people that are against it combined with the people that are indifferent are greater than the people that care. Yeah. And I think you guys both make good points and I, I, it'd be interesting to get uh, Nick Gill's thoughts on this at some point, because, you know, he said that, you know, Liverpool won the champions league. They won the Premier league. He's good for, you know, years and years and years and years, whatever. And, you know, like I've said, like if the Canadians ever win the Stanley cup, I don't care what happens after. And, and it is like, what's the length of like, how far, how far can you go with, in terms of like how fickle you are. Right. And, and I was kind of thinking about this because I had a conversation and I read a book about uh, crystal palace overcoming their administration season in 2009 and surviving in the championship on the last day of the season after uh, their owner went bankrupt and the players didn't get paid for like the entire, basically the entire last half of the season. And I, I saw stuff going around on Twitter, palace fans saying that like, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, if Palace would ever make Europe, they were ever going to win the league, that was kind of the best moment that they've basically had ever as a group of fans um, going to Sheffield Wednesday on the last day of the season and, and winning the game and, and pulling it out as I think Man City just won, which is very sad as we talk about this. Uh, so that's kind of what where that question came from. And, you know, is, is football more about those kind of moments? Is it more about that kind of unity or is it now about this kind of arms race to the top of who can get uh, the best and, and be the best? And we all know that sports is about winning. And like, as they say, a win's a win, right? A goal is a goal. A trophy is a trophy, you know? I mean, so sports, sports are about winning to an extent. Like if you put it on the field, it's about winning, but also as a fan, I don't think it's as much about winning. Like, I want a team that I can get behind, but I, I think it's more about, you know, your, your team gets tied to your identity, right? Like you feel very strongly about it. Like, like the, the Manchester United ruined my life author. I forget his name, for example, like he said, like, there were like in the interview, like, are you ever going to support anyone else? And he says, no, like you can't, it, it feels like I was married for, 50 years and then she, and then she ran off with a younger man and that's that's the thing like i have no interest in teams other than newcastle really so like i'm i'm there for that and and if they get bought by someone and the soul like whatever soul is left in there gets ripped out like i probably will just watch less frequently do you think that that's part of what these protests what spawn this then is it's kind of like an identity crisis among these fans who who are kind of like afraid to follow the direction that these owners are taking it in because maybe, like maybe so tied so strongly to your identity 
And all of a sudden it's going to this place that you don't want to follow uh, to pull out the uh, Padme uh, Amidala quote from episode three of End of the Sith on Star Wars Day. Anakin, you're going down a path I can't follow. Is that kind of like what started, like what started this whole thing well, and where it's going to go? I mean, I think it's just very clear. Sorry, Hope. I think it's just very clear <laughs> that you, you can't identify with these people anymore. It's just a totally different world these days. Yeah. Like my dad was telling me like when he was growing up in like the 50, like the 60s and, and whatnot, like, this isn't a great example, but you know, you'd go to the game, you walk up near the pitch and you see the guy smoking when he's like fucking warming up and, and you know, you don't have to do that, but there, there's less of a connection. I think like, you know, the super league is just a, was a very dramatic, poorly executed way to bring it farther away from the fans. So yeah, I think there's an identity crisis in the sense of you're like, I mean, I get this sometimes. I get like a wave of like ennui being like, what am I doing? Like, why do I care? What, why should I? Every now and again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it happens once a year with all of my teams. I'm like, why am I canceling plans or, or not doing something so I can watch the Canadians play? Like, why, why do I care so much? I have no control over anything that happens. But at the same time, it's like something that gives you it like, makes you part of a group, right? It brings people together and it makes you feel things. And it's like, I feel like you just want it to kind of be a reflection of, of you, right? Like I w- would want my teams to reflect my values and I want my teams to be, um, you know, f- for, for everybody and inclusive. I want to be able to afford to go to the games and, you know, just have a, and I want it to be about that, right? And I think that's kind of where it's going. It's going away from that. And I think that's where, that's why people are so angry. I just think there's a cult, I don't really like to use the word, but there's clearly a cultural divide between how football is represented to the supporters and how football is represented to, how is represented by, you know, by the owners. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a handful of excellent owners out there, but the problem is, you know, the, the top four, top six, whatever. Um, the fans have a problem with them. Maybe not all of them, but, you know, the fans have a problem with the Cronky, with Cronky. The fans have a problem with Glazer, um, but there's no, there's no immediate answer to the issue at hand because fans, I think, I think fans and supporters, like you said, want to be represented, but you know, in this day and age where the Premier League's been alive for coming on its 30th anniversary, people are, people have been indoctrinated into this style of football and how football is presented to you, not in a franchise system, but in the top six, it may as well be. I guess there is something to be said for, you know, to play devil's advocate, like, if you want to feel part of something, if you want to feel part of a group, you want to be represented. I mean, there's so many like lower league teams that you could follow, right? There's so many like, you know, I could follow AHL teams or, or the G League or whatever, uh, because I know that the Ra- that, like the Raptors or an NHL team, right? They don't necessarily care about me. They just care about my wallet. Whereas like maybe a smaller club, does more for 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 you as a person and you could get involved with it be part of the community but so maybe that that's what they're trying to do but i still like there's still so many people and so many fans who are fans of these massive clubs right and still want to kind of tie their identity to them which which is fully acceptable and and which is great if you're a chelsea fan say from like 
2018 versus a Chelsea fan from the 1970s. Like your your commitment is totally different because if you're if you're a fan from the 70s, like you know, you saw the you saw the pitch owners association band together to help um Ken Bates help pay off the the loan for Stanford Bridge to get them out of administration, which eventually uh helped the attractiveness for the sale to Roman Abramovich. Like that's that's a direct um response by the supporters and keeping the club alive. Um, and so like obviously like a fan born 20 years after that wouldn't understand that. Um, and so that's why I say fans are fickle is because with the wide, wide reach of these teams, like you're not gonna get that heart. You're just you're just simply I don't think you're gonna get it because you know I don't think people in Cambodia care. <laughs> they they love they love Chelsea because you know Chelsea's been marketed well to them. Uh, and Chelsea loves them because they're they're buying the distribution for them. But uh, I think it's you know not to be super cynical, but like you know if football is part of a culture, we've seen cultures die before. Welcome back. We've got some random predictions. It's May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. It may the fourth have been with you because this is when we're recording it, but you're not going to listen to it yet. Nick is great at editing, but he's not that quick. As a way to remember your fantastic May the fourth, uh, let's do our random predictions. They are Star Wars themed. Nice. How exciting! Can you give a rundown of the table because I haven't checked it? Oh sure, yeah. Actually, thank you for doing that. It's very interesting developments this week. We had a very interesting spread of points, uh, both in terms of who acquired them and the gap. So last week, the gap was the lowest score was one, and that was Richard, and the highest score was eight. That was Hope. Uh, so Nick. Damn. Your lead was cut from 10 to 5. So oh, you no. Eight, you have 88. No. I've got 83. No. Hope's got 82. And Conlon's got 78 because he also Ooh. performed poorly this week. So uh, we're gunning for you. And uh, I Wait, do think you know the most about Star Wars, though. So maybe that's going to pay off. And we'll start with you first. So first, okay. we are going to Planet Jetta which you may remember from Rogue One. And uh, we have uh, Akaba versus Sahab. Akaba versus Sahab. Okay. Yeah, from Planet Jetta. Which from Planet Jetta, which in this case is which league? Jordan. S- Jordan, okay. Yeah, it was filmed just... It was filmed near the nice. Red Sea port of Akaba. Nice. Okay, what are the two teams again? Because I forget. Akaba versus Sahab. 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 Uh, on, okay, man. we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Akaba, two uh, one. We're just looking to gain on Nick here, so I've got to go with Sahab one 0 Playing the risky game there. Uh, I think also Akaba are going to are going to take it just because they're a port city. All that wealth. Sorry that that counts like resource. That counts like uh, research, but yeah, it's all that wealth. Those uh, port duties that'll buy you a lot of uh players uh let's uh let's skip along from let's planet hop from jetta we'll go to tatooine one of our favorites where we have tucson versus versus uh forward madison <laughs> so part of um, part of tatooine was filmed in arizona 
Tucson, Arizona is a nearby. Well, we all know that Tucson is a uh, wretched hive of scum and villainy. Uh, so we're going to have to, I don't actually, I've never actually been to Tucson. I've actually heard it's a beautiful place. Um, Can't save it now. So we're going to go with uh, that other team. You said um, I should just open the document forward. Madison forward. Madison. Uh, we're going to go with forward. Madison uh, three, one Richard scoreline. Where is Madison, Wisconsin? There is a Madison in Wisconsin. I don't know if this is related to that. And Tucson is in Arizona. It is south of Phoenix. So, oh, I'm just gonna assume um, Tucson has, you know, uh, a better a better Latino stable <laughs> uh, to take down those uh, those third place cheesemakers up in Wisconsin. So Tucson wins two 0 yeah, more like backward, Madison. Am I right? Uh, I have been to Tucson, and it is lovely. And I don't want to hear Nick disparage it like that. So I think Tucson are going to do the exact opposite of his scoreline. I think they're going to win 3-1. Uh, are you guys thirsty from the desert? Uh, yes. Well, let's go to... Uh, Camino? Taco Dana. No, Taco Dana from the Forest Awakens. It's a forest. I think it might be where that um, Lupita Nuango alien is. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't she play like a little orange person? Oh, yes. Yeah, I yes. think it's that one. I think it's her planet. <laughs> what a weird casting choice that was. Like, she's great, but like, know, why I did know. you make her a little old lady alien? Seriously. Academy Award winner, Lupita yeah. Nyong'o. Funny little alien. Yeah, funny little like, yeah. old, like a really old alien. Yeah. Who, she couldn't just be herself. Maz Kanata? Yeah. I think that's who, who just happens to have uh, the lightsaber. I mean, good for very her. Weird. She, she got to be in a Star Wars movie, and I'm yeah. sure she made a. a Killing. crap load of uh credits or whatever um <laughs> but yeah yeah seriously there were a lot of questionable choices in those anyway it's but... south end versus newport i never said that <laughs> south end versus newport uh okay uh wow uh these are some fifa career mode teams uh let's go with newport uh two nil yeah, well, why not Newport? Newport wins 1-0. What do those soft Southerners have for Newport? Well, Newport is pretty much in the south of Wales. Not pretty much. They are in the south of Wales. <laughs> and uh, Taco Dana was filmed just on the other side of the border with England. Um, but you know what You know what I say? They're a port, so they're going to win. Uh, let's say that they're going to win 2-1. They're going to end south and let's stick in these beautiful lush forests of taco dana uh but you know it was also filmed up in cumbria where mm -hmm. carlisle are from so we got carlisle versus walsall um okay this is going to be uh walls walsall for sure um four one damn what's this guy know oh geez <laughs> nothing is uh five points. Where'd you say Carlisle is in Cumbria? Yeah. I'm trying to picture where in Assassin's Creed Valhalla that <laughs> you can't even go there. Oh, those bastards. Yeah, you can't. 
it'd be nearest to, I think it'd be like Snottinghamshire or like, oh. it'd be like North, Northeast of Snottinghamshire. Oh, well, well, if they didn't make the game, it's probably because they're too highly valued. So, <laughs> so Carlisle's going to win this. Um, uh, two nil. I like twos. Twos are great. I feel like in one career mode I had, Walsall was like my bogey team. Like every time I came up against them, I was like, Walsall. And sometimes I also would get them confused in my head with Walls End, which is like a youth oh. club. Near Everyone's Newcastle. got that. Everyone's got that team in career mode. Mine was Grimsby yeah. Town. Mm. Grimsby Town just... Well, I was going to compliment them, but fuck, I don't know. The whole league was shit. Grimsby? Grimsby? What did they say? I'm going to say it's 1-1, by the by. (laughs) Between Carlisle and and Walsall. Okay. uh, Someone's getting married. It's Anakin and Padme on (laughs) Naboo. On Naboo, yes. But we can't make it because we got to watch Lecho or Lecco versus Grosseto. I hate sand. It's coarse and gets everywhere. All-time, all-time great movie quote. And from an all-time great movie, okay? Let's be real. Attack of the Clones? Man. Jeez. Uh, there are some gems in that. Uh, what are the teams again? Oh, my God. Lecco or Lecho and Grosetto. Lecho. Grosetto. Oh. Nice. Come get some. Okay. Adrian uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, Grosetto. Uh, 2-1. I'm going to say lecho because it kind of sounds like milk. Um, So let's go milk. 2-1. Uh, both of these teams are from Italy, just so we know where they filmed this. Like uh, I think near like Lake Como or something. Uh, but they're on the Italian side, not the Swiss side. Anyway, my point is Italians like defending, so they're going to be 0-0. Mm. Yes, it's the Italian temperament of defense. There we go. Uh, Nick, you hate sand? Uh, yes, like I said, it's coarse and gets everywhere. Yeah. Well, you're not going to find any sand on Hoth, <laughs> the ice planet from Empire. So uh, <laughs> whose uh, tauntauns are going to make it the distance? Uh, what? <laughs> are you going to Are you going to crawl into this steamy corpse of Viking or... <laughs> Or uh, spend the night in Bran. Hoth is iconic in the movies. It's iconic in the games. Um, there's a great line in the Family Star Wars Family Guy Star Wars parody when the 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 guy is like, "Why is it called Hoth? It's covered in snow. It should be called Cold," which is really dumb, but makes me laugh every time. Uh, but uh, we're going to go with uh, Viking. Um, they are going to be the Empire in this case and uh, zoom in with their AT-ATs. Uh, even though the Rebels were pretty good at uh, uh, repelling them with those ships that fire uh, ropes from the side and then they coil them around the legs and then they send the AT-ATs crashing into the snow. Uh, but in this case, uh, Viking is going to win. Um no, no, no. Let's call it a draw, actually. Let's go 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> After all that. Jesus. I haven't done any draws yet. <laughs> well, I don't know enough about Star Wars to criticize you. If you think it's a draw, I guess it's a draw. Uh, so this is a Norwegian 
skirmish. Oh in... my gosh. <laughs> the Vikings versus Bran Stark in Star Wars. Great. Uh-oh. Ope, did any of what Nick said influence your, your opinion of this game? You know, I have seen <laughs> some of the three most recent Star Wars movies. <laughs> I am um, shocked. Color me shocked. You know, it's the color part of me that is why it makes sense that I haven't seen Star Wars. Um, <clears throat> um, oh, God. I will take 11 strong Vikingers over any of King Brand's soft Drengus. <laughs> Any day of the week, Viking wins to nil. I think Brand's a port, so I'm going to say they win 3 0. <laughs> Next week is the port themed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll do a port theme. That's great. Uh, so, uh, Nick, you hate, you hate sand, right? Yes. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, we're going, we're going back to Tatooine. Ooh, we're going like to the, the OG Tatooine. All right. Tun- Tunisia. Yes. Yeah. So that it's tat- Tatooine versus Sad Tunisian. Because that's where they got the name. Right. Tatooine or something mm-hmm. is a city in, in Tunisia. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Wow. That or is they named it after. Trivia. I don't really know. I mean, it makes I don't sense. I think they named it after the movie. Maybe but... they did. But uh, yeah, Tatooine is uh, a great place to hide. Uh, it's a great place to get lost. Like Ben Kenobi, you know, he went there uh, to hide from Darth Vader. And uh, I don't know how that has to do with this game. But uh, Tatooine is going to use their uh, defense mechanisms to win this game 1-0. I was going to say that I've seen none of Star Wars. Like I well, just a bit of Star Wars, but I lied because I've seen all of the Mandalorian, and that's Star Wars, right? Yes, and that is amazing, right? And they find Baby Yoda on Tatooine, right? I think so. Yeah, so Baby Yoda, uh, tight with Mando. I have an uncle named Mando. You can't have one without the other. It's gonna be one one. All right, interesting call. I met so I met, I met a guy in a bar once named Mando who owned this really really good fried chicken place. And uh, then the fried chicken place closed, which sucks because he said I could go in and get free food whenever. I think this guy was trying to seduce you. Maybe, probably. That's probably why it closed to give away too much free chicken. <laughs> to every yeah. to every random dude he just met at bars. Yeah. So good news. I looked up the etymology of, of Tatooine. I mean, I'm not that dedicated i it says etymology is the where i found the answer on the wikipedia page that's the title of this so it's like tita ween uh my that's berber and it means eyes and water springs Ooh, Ooh, okay that's fun yeah uh but the bad news is nick i i was doing that during your prediction so i don't know what you said so i guess you're taking a forfeit on that uh, that's suspect rules, but I said uh, one nil. For All right, tattoo, I'll, for I'll give it to you. Uh, Stad Tunisian. Um, I think Tunisian are from the like the north, 
Tatooine's in the south, in the north. They used to have uh, Carthage, mm-hmm. you know, back in 200 BC and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, it was the most prominent port in the Mediterranean for a time. <laughs> so I think they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win big. They're going to win 3-0. That's great. They're going to ride their these... elephants to victory. Yeah, we don't need these scruffy nerf herders. We're going to crush them with... <laughs> With uh, war elephants, yes. which weren't that, which aren't that effective. I heard they scared easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they scare people as well because you're like you're some fucking random dude from France, and then <laughs> and then you're like, hey, there's some people. They're kind of they're gonna try and come up in the Alps. And what the fuck is that? What are they <laughs> bringing here? Yeah, what Holy is that thing? Holy Jesus! It's like uh-huh. not only have they never seen an elephant, elephants are fucking huge. <laughs> yeah, you're like, how do you? What what the fuck is up with that horse? <laughs> um, although actually, like the thing about history that I really like is that you know people often were more mobile than you think, or at least they were aware of things. Um, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, shockingly so. Yeah, which is really cool. Imagine having to. <laughs> I just like no. how we started having a totally different conversation. Yeah, but like, yeah, was, I thought uh, you were like pulling my leg at first, and then I was I was happy to learn that you're like, no, that's so true. No, it's it's so interesting. <laughs> it is super interesting how like uh, anyway. Sorry, we have devolved. We could talk about that later. Um, okay, minutes in, we got the war elephant. Okay, we'll we'll blow through this. We got our Premier oh, League okay. stuff. Uh, it's still. It's still Star Wars theme. We got the stormtroopers of the Premier League because Sheffield United have only converted 4.6% of their shots. <laughs> they can't score. They can't get a shot in just like those uh, our boys in, in white. Uh, so they're playing Palace. Nick, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, so to borrow from uh, my good buddy, Ben Kenobi, uh, Palace is going to walk into uh, the, the Death Star that is uh, Sheffield. Actually, is this game in Sheffield or is it in Palace? Is it? Oh, it's Palace? in it's in Sheffield. Perfect, because that's made a big difference this year. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna restart this though. Uh, to quote from to to borrow another quote uh, from Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, Palace is Ben in this case, and they're going to uh, look at Sheffield. They're going to look at these stormtroopers. They're going to wave their hands and say, "These are not the points you're looking for," and Palace is going to take the points. Uh, oh damn! One nil. Benteke to score. Uh, Benteke Kenobi. Oh, there we go. There we go. Exactly. There we go. Yes, one nil. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I threw that in there, thinking that I'd be able to expand on some Star Wars. <laughs> That's no it. That's clue. just where it ends. Uh, all I know. When you said when you said Ben Kenobi, that made me think of Adam Driver, but I don't think that's who that is. But he is Where's named Ben, ben isn't Solo? he? He is named Ben. Ben Solo. Yeah. The only Ben. The only goal. The only goal. Is it Ben Solo from Benteke? Yeah. I don't know, but I think Crystal he Palace are going to get. He's Kylo Ren. You know that. Yeah, but that's not his real name. Han didn't name him Kylo Ren. Imagine. That's his. Yeah, that's yeah. his bad guy name. I type in Ben Solo and Kylo Ren comes up. So. Oh, okay. Okay, okay there that's you go. I spoke too soon. Um. Well. Anyways. Uh. I was confused at the end of that last Star Wars movie because I thought that, um, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley were siblings, and then they make out. Um. So Palace win two now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love when he just jumps out of the water. It's fucking great. So let's let's talk about the original trilogy. Uh, before they can they can defeat the Empire, Leia gets captured, and they need to save her. I shouldn't even bother with this. I feel like anyone who actually likes Star Wars is just fucking annoyed at me anyway. And I'll just, <laughs> you know what? I'll lean into that. Uh, I'll lean into that because you know what? I like Star Trek much better than Star Wars personally. Not the movies, the show. So fighting words. Yeah. Not to fight, me. But... Fighting words. And and uh, sure, if Palace is Ben Kenobi, then then uh, I don't know. Get fucked. 2 nil Sheffield. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, moving on, we've got Villa. They're hosting Man United. Man United, of course, is the evil empire. Oh man, but uh, you know the empire. The empire does have some uh, victories. Maybe Villa is Alderaan in this case, and Ooh. Man U is going to blow them up. And it's going to be oh, let's go two one. Let's go two one. I think Villa is going to pull one out, but Man U is going to win ultimately. When did uh, I guess they haven't rescheduled the Man U Liverpool game? It's not going to be, it's not midweek before this match, right? No, I don't know. Well, if we don't know now, it's probably not. Because if it was, I was going to make it a draw. Uh, but I think Manchester United are going to win three, three nil. No. Nah, three one. Let's make it three one. Richard scoreline. Richard special. Uh, yeah, it seems like Man U will win. Villa just kind of are on a big slide, and let's say that'll continue. I think 2-0. Yeah, let's put it 2-0, and I'll hold the Star Wars jokes. No, 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 no. Last one. May as well. I don't have any. Give... <laughs> Is there one more? Give me oh, your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do have one for the next one, but I meant oh. for Man U. Oh, my bad. I don't know. Man U are... Um... Man, Jabba the Hutt. Am I right? <laughs> so uh, next, our final... Who is Star that? <laughs> you don't know Jabba the Hutt? He's the best wow. guy. He's the he's the, the big, big slug pervert boss with the slug. yeah <laughs> with the Gaborians. Yeah, he's like Harvey Weinstein, Al Capone, and a slug in one in one being. <laughs> that is the most accurate description of Jabba yeah. the Hutt I've ever heard. And our last one, we have Arsenal, and they are playing West Brom, who are managed by a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was hoping the last one was going to be. Uh, Man City versus Chelsea because there's a lot of uh, parallels to the uh, amazing fight at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, between Anakin and Obi Wan. Um, Which one but, is Chelsea? Uh, I, you know, I think I think Chelsea I think Chelsea has to be Obi Wan in this case. I just find that they're more of a light side uh, Jedi Master than Man City is in this in this in this particular case, but uh. Anyway, it's it's cool. The fight is cool because they got they both got blue lightsabers and all this. But anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, ooh, Arsenal and West Brom. Well, uh, I've, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lean into uh, Arsenal here, even though I'm a big fan of Chewie, um, iconic character. Uh, one of my friends is uh, is we also refer to him as as Wookie sometimes and call his house Kashyyyk. Uh, but I have to go against that. Uh, we're going to take the gunners, uh, like the clones riding in on their gunships, uh, two nil arsenal. I feel like, I mean, I don't actually know, but I feel like arsenal are in decent form. Um, probably not. If I think that, <laughs> um, well, I mean, they just beat Newcastle, but 
Oh, well, or okay. that. Whatever. Um, but what was more apparent to me is while I laughed at your joke about West Brom being managed by a Wookiee, when Nick said that Chewie is a Wookiee, turns out I don't know what a Wookiee is. Because <laughs> I thought a Wookiee was those little teddy bear dudes in the Spike TV commercials when oh, we were that's, kids. That's an Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> That's Ewok is Wookie and Pig Latin. It's true, actually. I just realized the similarities between. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like Big Sam is the Wookie and Little Sam is the Ewok. There we are. There we are. That's great. Um, you know, based on that confusion alone, how could I even make a choice? Um, sounds like a one-one to me. Yeah, Alarbaca loves. <laughs> he loves games like this. He loves sticking it to the the teams that are full of themselves. So I think, I think he would love to beat Arteta, especially art like this, you know, uh, trendy Spanish guy with his, his, uh, his ideas. Right. And he's like, well, I've got that too. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but let's, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with yours. I think one, one is a good call because West Brom haven't been great. Arsenal haven't been great, but Alarbaca loves these kind of games. Where's this so, being played? It's being played at uh, the, the what's their stadium called? Arsenal, the Emirates. The Emirates? Yeah, no, I was it? up last week too. Yeah, because I was going to say Emirates, but then I was thinking Tybury. Oh, yeah. See, I did that too. <laughs> Where's what's Man City's called? The Etihad. Right. I always That's confused. why I was confused. I always confused too. Uh, yeah. But I think that uh, just just to end this uh, quickly, uh, Pierre Emerick uh, Chubama Yang is going to score. That's uh, that's my last my last little quip. I like it, uh, Adrian. You can row us on out. Row us on out, like I'm taking a princess that I shouldn't be in love with onto the lake at Naboo. We're going into hyperdrive. No, hyperspace. What is it? <laughs> hyperspace. Yeah. We're that's, going into that's, hyperspace. That's what Adrian says after 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Um, ooh, fly your Millennium Falcon onto Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Play. That's where you'll find uh, this transmission. It's going to play from a droid in like blue holograms and it'll send you on a mission, which if you've been listening, you, you know what it is and you'll start tomorrow. So report at 9 a.m. Thanks for listening. May the fourth be with you or have been with you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or Spotify and find more content over on Instagram. Come and join the group chat. We'd love to have you and see you next week.